0: Here we are. Welcome, you open the door, and waiting on the other side for you are the two mysterious figures known as Bill and Terry. Hello, Terry. How are you doing?
1: As good as can be expected. This is, uh, what, episode uh, five in total, I think, at least if my counting on one hand has worked out. Bill, yourself, how, how's life treating you that side?
0: It's treating me well. I did not die in the typhoon that came through this past weekend, which is why this video did not go up a few days ago like we were planning. Uh, But yeah, house is safe, neighborhood safe, computer is safe, I'm safe. So uh, yeah, we're making the video now.
1: Ironically, I think you actually had power during the whole weekend, right?
0: I did, shockingly. like I believe my neighborhood was one of the few that did not lose power at all what did happen though just a little anecdote was uh, the power did flicker out a couple times for just a second or two each time uh, but the tv never went off it stayed going it kept streaming netflix the entire time but the rest of the house went dark, and thank God for that.
1: Well, there we go. It seems a bit poltergeist style, but uh, <laughs> yeah. the funny thing is, yeah, it was 30 degrees. Well, it was high 20s for me, beautiful sun and that, and <laughs> we were without power for significant parts of the week. So how can I and say And it has
0: nothing to do with the typhoon for <laughs> you.
1: What can you do, eh? Right? So, uh, so, so tell me, what's on the agenda for today? Uh, what are we going to talk about?
0: Well, again, one of the main points of this channel the reason why we're starting the channel is because we want to do a lot of Call of Cthulhu role-playing game stuff we want to do um, some actual plays and other things about the game Um, clearly we're still not in the position to do that the way we want to just yet although we we are getting close Um, but what I thought would be good is thanks to Lovecraft Country, there's a lot more people becoming really interested in the works of H.P. Lovecraft. And they're seeing uh, not just his style of horror, because you don't really get that in the TV show, but they're, they're seeing things reminiscent of his storytelling and of his um, very unique mode of horror, cosmic horror as it is. And I think with how exciting and action-packed that the series is, I think a lot of people, especially gamers or creative people, would like to get in on it on their own. And one of the best ways of doing that is through the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. So I thought we would do a quick, very quick introduction just to explain what the game is for people who may not know and may be interested to try it.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I remember actually a few years back when Stranger Things first came out, there was like a huge resurgence of uh, Dungeons & Dragons players as well. So there, there is quite a like interest in role-playing uh, games in general. So... Anyone, like you said, who's sort of been keen on, like, the sort of Lovecraft mythos style of things, like, this is the perfect time to get into the Call of Cthulhu RPG, especially as well if, like, for instance, like me, you've come from a, a video gaming background and you maybe played the Call of Cthulhu video game. So this would be perfect for that those sort of people as well, I think, right?
0: I think so, definitely, because, uh, and like you said, with Stranger's Things, like role-playing games, tabletop role-playing games have taken a bit of a step up in the eyes of the public and I think it's a little more, uh, I don't know if accepted is the right word, but it's a little more uh, seen as a a normal pastime and not just something that nerds do in their parents' basements. So uh, I think this is a good time. I think what we should do though before we get into it, uh, again, this is for people who probably, or maybe you don't know anything about role-playing games or you heard about them, you're not exactly sure what it is. I think we should start by introducing what is a role-playing game, but somewhat more importantly, what isn't a role-playing game? What it's not about? Then I think we we should go into explaining what the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game is, because it's... Quite different role-playing game compared to something like Dungeons & Dragons. So not all role-playing games are created equally and this is a very good example. Uh, After that just talking more about the types of the Cthulhu games and then maybe leave everyone with some very very helpful resources, far more helpful than us, but uh, if we spark your interest at all we're going to point you in the direction to take it further, to take it as far as you want to go.
1: So I, I think, bull like the the first thing now about like what is a role-playing game is I know in our very first session ages ago, you still told me there's the GM and the players and the GM's role is to crush the players within the shortest length of time possible, <laughs> correct?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I see. You remember everything I told you completely wrong. Yeah, that that's... the opposite of what it is but uh that's a such a good point to bring up because a lot of people who are new to role-playing games think that's what it is and like you said terry there's a group of players and one player is called the game master or the gm in most of the games and it's up to that person to manage the rules for the game to tell the story and to populate the world Whereas the other players, they typically play only one other character that they may have made up on their own, or maybe they choose from already pre-made characters. But really, the, the key of role-playing games is it's a storytelling experience. It's a collective experience between all the players. And the GM, the Game Master, is a player too. They have a different job in the game, but they are a player just the same as everyone else and they want to have fun. The players want to have fun. So it's a collective experience. The GM may be telling the story, but the story doesn't go forward if the players don't contribute and the story doesn't become enjoyable if the GM isn't flexible enough to work with what's happening. So really, it's a give and take for everyone to have the most fun possible. I know for me like one of the
1: the the core tenets of like RPG is like while the GM creates the story beats and um introduces the players to the world and the, the NPCs they encounter like what I really value is, like, a lot of that story is actually also created by the players themselves. It's not just like a choose-your-own-adventure-style book where the GM says, you're in front of two doors, which do you choose? Like, And you've got to choose, and you just say, I choose this. And then the GM reads the rest of the story out. It's like um, all your actions as a character. Uh, to give some background, for instance, I I don't really GM. I, I'm very much a player only, so I know... For me, I really enjoy creating a story based on who my character is. So I like to sort of give the beats of like, how does my character do something? Not just he does this, but how does he do it? Why does he do it? And what happens because of that?
0: Yeah, and that's that's exactly it. You, When you're a player, you have complete control over who your character is and it can be as far away from who you are in real life as you want to be as close as you want to be but you are developing this character and you become the star of your own movie or tv series basically but i think one question a lot of people have going into role-playing games is what's the goal what is the purpose of the game and how would you answer that, Terry?
1: Well, I think, like, maybe
0: twofold. Like, um, a GM can
1: probably have a goal for, like, the session. Like, your char- the characters have to accomplish a certain thing. Um, probably the one, if I can use something recent, I know it's not Cthulhu, but uh, we've been doing, like, Star Trek adventures recently. And in that, like, our characters have been tasked with, like, both smaller goals and long-term goals, right? Like, we're set in episodic structure. So... You can pay for an hour, and your goal is maybe just to escape a room, or to uh, find some clues. But a GM can also have like an overreaching goal over several episodes or sessions, whatever the case may be. Where, um, which is really up to him, right? Like, Paul, can you give some examples, like, of those from your side as a GM, then?
0: Yeah, um, because as Terry said, he's he's mainly a player. Uh, I'm I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum, where I've been uh as they call it in the RPG world, uh Forever GM. They say for the last twenty years, I think I've been a player five times out of all the times I played. So I I like GMing. I like to be the GM. I like uh, I'm used to the job so doing that. So some goals that I would set up is I would look at, for example, the, the backstory of the character that the players make or maybe something about their character that they want to pursue. And it might not tie into the next mission we're going to do, the next adventure we're going to do, but I can work little seeds of that story in that give plot hooks for that player to jump onto and that helps that character develop how they react to the situation, uh, how they want to proceed with that line. And when I see that, when I see how the player's responding to those plot hooks and where they want to take it and what their character wants to do with it, that helps me plan in the next game, take the story in this direction, move the story to this part, bring something new in. So it depends on the player's action that informs what i'm going to set up for the next game and uh there's a lot of talk of railroading in role-playing games where the gm will say like you're going from here to here to here to here a lot that happens a lot especially with inexperienced game masters but really uh, a role-playing game session should be free it should be wide open that the players can basically go anywhere and do anything within reason and the gm will adapt to it and do and take the story in that direction or bring it around while incorporating the direction that the players had taken the the i guess caveat is again this is a collective experience it's collective storytelling So, while the players are free to run off and do anything they wish, it's still in the best interest of the whole group playing to stay within the bounds of the story that the GM has made. Because, again, the GM's a player too, and the GM usually, at least in my case for example, I spend anywhere between like 10 to 30 hours preparing for one session. And trying to think of possibilities, where things could go, what could happen. And you're never ready as a GM. You're never ready. So the players are always going to do something you never expect. And you have to improvise. But it's also a mutual respect thing. Where if I present a story for the characters to go through, the players at least attempt that story. And not just start like, nope, we're going to try doing this instead. And it's like, okay, well, that's 30 hours of preparations and characters and ideas and maybe background music and maybe all sorts of things that are thrown out the window. So that's where the collaborative aspect is. You can do whatever you want, but you're playing as a group. And the goal is everyone should have fun. And if someone's not having fun, then I would say you're not playing correctly. Other than that, Role-playing games are free to do whatever you want. Your imagination is open. The sky's the limit, as they say. But as long as you're having fun, you're doing it right.
1: So would you say then, like as a newcomer to RPG, you need like, a lot of investment in terms of equipment? Do you need to buy thousands of little miniatures and build up these like tabletop like dioramas, like leading your characters to them, or what
0: do you need? Typically in a role-playing game, in the standard, traditional role-playing game, you just need maybe a pencil, a sheet of paper for your character, and dice. And role-playing games usually use some funky dice, uh, not the kind you'll typically see in board games, just the usual six-sided cubes, but they'll have four-sided dice, eight-sided dice, 20-sided dice, all the way up to 100-sided dice. And every game system is different, They use it differently, but typically that's all you need. And the reason is, uh, you have the piece of paper to take notes so you remember things. You have your character sheet written down on there. And that's where the rules of the game come in. Because it's not just a game of, well, I could do where I want. I'm going to shoot the monster. Okay, the monster is dead. You can play it like that. And I know a lot of people who do, but most games have a framework of rules they give statistics to who your character is and show how good your character is at doing things. And the way you determine whether you succeed or fail is you roll the dice compared to whatever the difficulty check may be. You have to roll this much. If you do it, you succeed. And that's pretty much how the game gets played out. And very, very low cost investment. The only real expense is for the rulebook. book. And typically the g m is the one who buys Apple law game groups. They all chip in money and they buy a book the g m reads it, prepares everything, but it's a very, very low investment thing, but you can if you watch a lot of role players online you can really go overboard with the cost, yeah, but no, it's cheap,
1: no oh, that's good, so in terms of, like, Call of Cthulhu itself, then, like, how's that actually been adapted to an RPG uh, system, then, compared to Dungeons and Dragons, for instance?
0: So, yeah, that's, I think that's what everyone would be watching this for. So, yeah, so Call of Cthulhu itself as a role-playing game is done in a very investig- investigating style, and like if you're familiar with dungeons and dragons and you've seen it on stranger things or or anything that you know that's very combat heavy you go on adventure you fight if you're familiar with lovecraft's works you'll know that fighting is probably the last thing you want to do and in call of cthulhu you want to solve a mystery you want to get to the bottom of something dark and evil and just obscene happening in the world that your character just happens to become part of, just like the stories, uh, H.P. Lovecraft stories. And the difference is you are not a fighter. Even if you build your character to be a fighter, even if you design your character to be a fighter, if you encounter one of the creatures from Lovecraft stories, specifically the great old ones the big monsters there you stand no chance at winning at all there's no matter how you roll the dice you might be able to slow something down you might be able to get away but fighting is not the main point of the game it's trying to thwart the evil machinations happening and hopefully survive but that's pretty hard in call of cthulhu don't you think Well, I
1: I think for me, one of the the beautiful parts of the game and some of his adaptations, like um, especially Arkham Horror that we've played a lot, um, the board game, is that a lot of times like the better choice is to actually flee. You know, you're not you like you say, you're here to prevent these monstrosities from being reborn and devouring the world. And. You know, uh, for instance, my little character is a librarian and she's not going to be able to do much other than she might have good law or she might um, have the knowledge needed to do these things and find clues and elder signs and what have you. So I think the beauty of that game is that there is fighting. I mean, you're not always fighting elder ones. You could be fighting like some NPC who is just a guy who is a cultist, maybe. Or you could be fighting like uh, a lesser demon of some sort. but like you say, I think people should realize, unlike Dungeons and Dragons, like you don't have a barbarian character running in with a sword, just like swinging around and chopping Cthulhu to tiny bits and saying, "Okay, game over, <laughs> folks," and then it ends there. But I think that actually adds a lot to it, um, above yeah. and beyond like a, a plain D and D game.
0: That that's why Call of Cthulhu really is my favorite role-playing game system. I love the fact that it's more about the atmosphere and about the story itself. It's not about statistics or how many monsters you're slaughtering. You're not trying to build up experience points. You're trying to get to the bottom of something unusual happening and hopefully surviving. And like you said, with Dungeons and Dragons, you don't have a barbarian running in with a sword, cutting things down in Call of Cthulhu. Some of the best skills your character could have are library use, like your character, or spot hidden. Things that are for investigating, things that are there for noticing details in the world or finding clues. They are the skills that are going to help you the most during a game of Call of Cthulhu. And I think that's really amazing. But yeah, like you said, there is some fighting, but it's much, much deadlier because you are not a barbarian. You are not a wizard. You are a normal human being, and that character can take as much punishment as a normal human being in the real world. I don't care who you are. If you get stabbed with a knife in the real world, you have a high chance of dying just from one stab. And it's the same in this game, too. It's not you're going to be hacking and hacking and taking bruises here and there. It's a deadly game. But it's not just deadly physically, right, right, Terence
1: uh yeah, I think um like like you were saying ball like other than just like physical strength and not and that your character's gonna have a lot of knowledge, there's also sanity cost, obviously, um coming up against these things, like most of the characters in the Cthulhu stories reread uh, I mean are driven mad by what they see or experience and that, hmm. and I mean that's brought very well over into this gap, correct,
0: yeah. Uh, I think this game may have been the first or at least one of the first that really did sanity mechanics in a role-playing game. And like you say, in the Lovecraft stories, the more the characters discover, the more that's revealed about what's really existing out there in the universe, the more that they see ...of this stuff that's completely unimaginable to human mind... ...they start to become unhinged. They start to become broken. They start to fall apart mentally. And that's represented in this game too. So your sanity, as it's called in the game... ...your sanity level is a key element in Call of Cthulhu. So the more horrible things you go up against... ...odds are the weaker you are going to become mentally... But it also has another interesting aspect that, depending on what the thing is, you might be learning more about the Cthulhu mythos, the evil stuff behind the scene. Well, not really evil, but the cosmic horror behind the scenes that is the truth of the universe. So the more you learn of this, the more you can understand how to defeat things, how to stop them, or what's actually happening. But... This knowledge is so arcane and so horrible that it actually weakens you uh, sanity-wise. So it's a really fascinating system, and I love how they do it. I-, I love how it's it's a very mental game, not just with the investigation, but also with the uh, statistics of your health being linked to your sanity. Because if you go completely insane in the game, it's pretty much the same as dying in Dungeons & Dragons. Your character's mind is gone, you're out. Would you say, um, let's say my Lord Librarian character, would you say
1: a character such as mine would be able to be killed in the game? Like, would I have to maybe create a second character or is it like in Dungeons & Dragons where there's a very good chance you play the same character start to finish? of a a campaign
0: now a lot of people play Call of Cthulhu or at least try play Call of Cthulhu uh, as a campaign too but uh, many of these stories are done as one shots or very short adventures because yeah your librarian character would not typically have a very long lifespan going up against the things of the Cthulhu mythos again and again and again Like, for that's why usually a lot of the games, um, if you buy some of the adventures, the pre-made stories, which is another good thing about role-playing games and Call of Cthulhu, there's no different. You don't have to, as the GM, you don't have to make up your own story if you don't want to. There's plenty of pre-made adventures that tell you the whole story, what you have to roll for, everything. Many of them come with their own characters, and you give those out to the players, and so there's they're specific. They're tailored for that adventure. And they have a very high chance of dying. Because the stuff in Lovecraft story is just unbeatable. And it's horrible. And you have to play smart. You have to play uh, very much thinking that you are frail. But you're still willing to risk yourself to stop whatever this horrible thing is from happening. Obviously, the smart thing would be to just run away and hide, and then the game's over like that. But again, just like we talked about earlier, the contract is, when you join in a role-playing game, it's fun for all. So the GM has a story for you. The players are the actors, are the characters in that story. If they all just like, nah, we'll let the police handle it, that's fine, you can do that. That just mean the game ends right then and there. Because you've removed your character from the game. You removed all the characters from the game. And now the story can't progress. Now, yeah, there are ways of doing that. But again, I want to go back with the tit for tat. You're playing together. The GM makes a story for you. You provide the substance for that story. So
1: let's say as a player, I'm bored by the 1920s. I love Cthulhu, but... I love cowboys, and the nineteen twenties yeah. are boring. Like, what are my options? Like, clearly, there's no way I'm gonna play this, yeah. right?
0: Yeah, well, there's there's a lot of different versions of Call of Cthulhu, and the main book, the the book itself, the main setting for the game is the nineteen twenties, simply because that's around when Lovecraft wrote most of these stories. But the core rulebook, which is on the screen now, it also has information on playing in modern times, too. So if you want to play a modern game that's 100% open, you can do that. Most people prefer 1920s just for the aesthetic, but a lot of people have no knowledge of the 1920s. I play Call of Cthulhu a lot, and I still know very little about the 1920s, but it doesn't stop me. I love that setting. You could jump into modern times, but there are so many different supplements, as well as other games set in the Lovecraft universe, that takes it to completely different settings. You could have uh, your Wild West, or as they call it, the Weird West Cthulhu games. Uh, There's a version called Down Darker Trails. There's Cthulhu by Gaslight, which is the... 19th century, like the 1800s in London, England, um, think Jack the Ripper times when there's Lovecraftian happenings going on. You have Cthulhu Dark Ages, Call of Cthulhu Dark Ages, taking way back to medieval times. Uh, there's lots of futuristic campaigns. There's many flavors to Call of Cthulhu, and you're never stuck playing in any setting. You It's just like any role-playing game it's open to your imagination and wherever your imagination can go this game can go too. So um, all these different sort of variants of the game,
1: um, how much do they actually differ from the core game? Is it just the setting or do they actually change the rules and mechanics to a large degree as well?
0: Uh, many of them are just the setting with very minor tweaks, but there are a couple notable exceptions. There's Trail of Cthulhu, which is very similar to regular Call of Cthulhu, but it has a much heavier emphasis on the investigation and making the investigating part uh, a lot smoother and a lot more organic. And I know a lot of people prefer that, but I think if you're a fan of Lovecraft Country, maybe the one that you would be most interested in would be the Pulp Cthulhu. And Pulp Cthulhu is also by the makers of Call of Cthulhu, but it changes the rules a little, just a bit.
1: Do you have any personal favorites you'd actually recommend that you, you enjoy?
0: Well, I, I, I love the original. I love the Chaosium is the publisher, the original Call of Cthulhu written created by sandy peterson who is still so wrapped up in all things cthulhu and his name is going to be popping up frequently when we do videos i'm sure but it's the classic it's the original i've purchased the core rule book three times for the game i i got three different editions seventh edition is the most recent and I highly recommend it. Not only does it streamline a lot, but it's a gorgeous book. It's beautiful. But I think if you want a more action game, that's Pop Cthulhu. That kind of beefs your characters up. It gives it more of an Indiana Jones vibe. It gives it a, a adventure style. So your character can take a lot more hits, uh, could do a lot more wild, pulpy action scenes than you would ever be able to survive in regular Call of Cthulhu. So it just depends. For me, I'm a purist. I love Lovecraft stories in the fact that these characters have no chance up against the, the horrors that they face. And I prefer that. In my role-playing game version of Cthulhu, so the original for me.
1: Nice, great. Um, So I know uh, when I first jumped into it, like I opened that book and it looked like I was studying um, trigonometry or some arcane form (laughs) of mathematics. Um, I know the the one resource you pointed me to that I found really really helpful was uh, Seth um, Skorkowski. He's got like a playlist up that's pretty good, like. um, that's, I'd almost say that is like uh, essential viewing for anyone who wants to sort of learn how the the game mechanics work, correct?
0: Definitely, definitely, yeah. And we're going to put links to all this down um, below in the video information. Seth Skorkowski he made probably the best introductory video series into how to play Call of Cthulhu. So you could get the book, you could read the book, and when you're confused, watch his video. He presents it so well. It's like sitting down with a friend, a good friend, who's just explaining it to you with his passion and his love for the game. Uh, he's probably one of the best. But uh, we're going to have other resources in there, including another how-to-play series by a channel called Don't Stop Thinking, which uh, they have a very well-organized step-by-step series of how to play the game and done in a completely different presentation style than seth but it's also very well worth watching uh aside from that i would say um just resource wise if you want to play the game if you're not sure if you're not sure if the game's right for you or if you could even do a role-playing game or if your friends would even like it uh there's one good thing you can purchase. Do you know what I'm talking about, Terry? I would assume it would be the uh, infamous
1: starter set that uh, a lot of the RPG games usually offers a little taster, right?
0: These days, it's the best time to get into role-playing games. Basically, any role-playing game you want to get into, any of the big ones, they now have a starter box and it's going to come with characters, it's going to come with a simplified version of the rules to get you into it. But Call of Cthulhu does it so well with a single player adventure. So you go into it and you don't even have to call your friends over. You sit down there, with pencil and paper and this book, and it will walk you through the game like an AI and teach you how the game works as you are going through this adventure. So you're prepared to run the game. Then you have the rulebook, the simplified rulebook you could get into. And it gives you another adventure that you can then run for a group of friends. It's so well made, so well put together. It helps you learn to be a GM or keeper, as they call it in this game. Really one of the best things you could have. And it's cheap. I believe it's roughly between $20 to $25 US. And that is not a bad price to pay for. You get dice, you get character sheets, you get the the rules, you get two adventures, at least two adventures. And I think even the pad of extra character sheets, really, really a great way to start. And if you love it, you could take it as far as you want it to go.
1: I think it's really good as well if you're keen on um, GMing. But uh, like me, maybe that it seems very intimidating to you. I mean having to put like you say 10 to 30 hours per campaign or session even. Um, the starter set does a lot of that heavy lifting for you by almost giving you everything yeah. prepared, which is maybe a nice way to ease yourself in, right?
0: Oh definitely. Definitely. It it just tells you exactly even I believe the star says designed that you don't even read the rule book first. You just jump straight into that solo adventure and you learn the game as you play it by yourself. So it even takes away the whole studying aspect. A lot of people say, oh, I don't want to play this game. I feel like I'm studying for a test, reading this giant textbook. But uh, really, the books are full with a lot of useful information. The more you get into it, the more you'll want to read these books. But with the Star Set, you don't even have to worry about that. It's, It's so simple. It walks you through it. I know um, one of
1: our sort of uh, long-term goals here with the channel is to um, do some actual uh, playthroughs that we will, you know, stream and record and that. Um, But in the meantime, if people want to check out any other channels that do things like that, do you have any recommendations for them?
0: Yeah, definitely. I'm going to put some links down again um, along with the resources there. There's, I would say, two great channels um, for Call of Cthulhu games that I I hope if anyone's interested to see what it looks like, they could check out these people. They take a step beyond what a normal session would look like. So, but it's still so entertaining to watch. One is encounter role play encounter role play. They do a plenty of different role playing games, but they also do a lot of call of Cthulhu in very different settings. Uh, they, they're really committed to playing their characters and it's a fun channel to watch. The second one is the Invictus Stream. And I watch a lot of their older videos. I can't say for sure if they're still making Call of Cthulhu videos on their channel, but their older stuff, again, it's just dripping with atmosphere. You, you can feel their love for the game when they play. And there's plenty of other channels on YouTube that will show you this. And there's plenty of other actual play podcasts, too. you can download you can listen to uh podcast wise one of the best resources for call of cthulhu information and actual plays is the good friends of jackson elias that's basically the go-to if you're into this game so there's a lot of that the links will be included here please check it out Um, but there's one more with an asterisk i want to put up there uh, one of the most famous, not one of the, the most famous role-playing live play actual play program on the internet is Critical Role, and I'm sure many of people heard of it. Uh, it's usually GM'd by Matt Mercer, who is like GM to the stars, literally and f- figuratively. But they did a very good. That channel did a very good session, a high production value as you would expect for Critical Role called Shadow of the Crystal Palace. You can find that on YouTube as well. Uh, It's very fun to watch. It's very entertaining, full costume, accents. Here's why it's an asterisk, okay? These are professional voice actors, okay? They also love role-playing games, but these people are not just playing just as friends sitting around they are playing to entertain you the viewer okay a lot of the people when they watch critical role especially if they're not familiar with role-playing games or they're thinking of getting into it that's the biggest show so they check it out and they get intimidated they think i can't do that i can't do voices like that i don't have all these little miniatures made up i don't have a castle built. i can't do that i can't You're not supposed to, okay? You don't have to. Like we said in the beginning, the only thing you need for a role-playing game, typically, pencil, paper, some dice. Really, realistically, all you need for a role-playing game is your imagination. I've played games with many people who played dice-free role-playing games, character sheet-free role-playing games, where it's nothing but verbal communication on both sides, GM and players. I personally don't prefer that style, but the sky's the limit when it's a role-playing game. Watch Critical Role for entertainment and to see how these games could be presented almost like a television drama. But your games don't have to be anywhere near that you never have to do a voice you never have to wear a costume even though you might see us wearing some idiotic costumes in future videos Uh, you never have to bring in props you never have to buy anything you never have to build anything all you have to do your only job is to have fun
1: i think like probably the one thing I'd leave with is uh, the little SpongeBob uh, meme where it goes, imagination. And that's like probably the <laughs> most in, important uh, ingredient to not only Call of Cthulhu, but any RPG, I think, right?
0: Definitely, definitely. Just use your imagination, have fun. That's all you have to do. That's literally all you have to do. And it's great fun. I, I've never had so much fun playing a game. I, I'm, I'm an avid board gamer. I'm an avid video gamer. I'm an avid role player. And I've never had as much fun as I did with a role playing game. Because you are creating a world. You're creating a story. And it, it's it's a feeling that you can't replicate in any other form of gaming. There's always going to be... A restriction or a wall on how far you could go in the video game or how much you can accomplish in the board game. With a role-playing game, you are inhabiting a world that grows based on your actions and it's spectacular.
1: Perfect. Well, I, I know we're going to have many more videos in the future um, on no, not uh, not only Call of Cthulhu RPG, but in general as well, um, role-playing games as well. So
0: Definitely a lot more to come from us, right? Oh, I hope so, yeah. And I, I hope if at least we could encourage one person to try out role playing or get into it, uh, I, I think that it's worth doing videos like this because it's... Uh, I'm glad it's a hobby that's becoming a bit more mainstream now and a bit more respected because it's just a wonderful and creative way of using your brain and having a good time simultaneously like i i i love it totally agreed uh so i'm I'm
1: definitely keen for the next time we can uh whip out my law librarian character a couple (laughs) of dice although my dice are all the way over in shanghai still so hopefully in a (laughs) month or two i can roll the actual dice and not just uh some online virtual ones, but um, yeah. So, yeah. so what do what does everybody have to look forward to? What are, what are we looking to release later this week?
0: So later this week, um, we're going to finally get our uh, episode four discussion up for Lovecraft Country, and yeah, there's a lot to talk about there, and I think we're going to refer back to this video a number of points during that discussion because a lot of that episode feels like a session of the role-playing game.
1: Definitely. And I think as always like, if anyone watches or listens to this, and is keen on like uh, learning more or who knows, even asking if they can join in a, a campaign or a session or whatever, they can feel free to leave a comment, a voice message, whatever the appropriate thing is for the video or podcast. Yeah,
0: yeah definitely. Yeah. Leave, leave a message. Like we always said, just we want to talk with people. We're, we're doing this. We're fans. We want to talk with other fans and just, leave a message, talk to us. And if you're interested in joining a role-playing game and you don't have anyone you know who plays it online now, especially with the pandemic, online role-playing is so much bigger than it's ever been. You can get into groups easily. So if you want to know more about that, ask away. We're more than willing to help.
1: Great. I'm looking forward to it. Anything else we should leave our avid viewers
0: with? oh i leave that to you i've been talking up a storm this episode so yeah please take it away Well, um, as usual, I suppose, uh,
1: you know, you do the YouTube thing of like, comment, subscribe, whatever. But um, (laughs) definitely, I think we're looking at, like you say, conversation. Yeah, um, pretty much one of the things that I always loved about Lovecraft was that he always invited others to expand upon his universe. And we're embracing that same thing with our videos and podcasts as well. And that, you know, we're, we're hoping more people can join in the conversation, create more topics of discussion, you know, leading on to more interesting things we've got a lot uh coming up i know we've we focus on the rpg today but the nice thing with the rpg is that this license it holds um call of cthulhu has actually been used as well for plenty of video games that i hope we can touch on in the future um you know once my situation this side stabilizes i'd love to be able to stream a lot of them on um, twitch or youtube Uh, and once Mm -hmm. that happens we'll we'll let people know but um as usual, uh, people can follow us here on YouTube, or um, if you're listening to the podcast, you can just uh, subscribe on iTunes or whatever. Right? And, um, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to the next episode later this week,
0: then. Yeah, definitely. I think that's all we have to say about this. And, yeah, I hope we get a good conversation going. That's what this is all about.
1: Perfect. And, uh, as, as, a, as a player, Bill, uh, I know much respect to you GMs. Uh, a lot of work you guys have to put in, so... Yeah, hopefully uh, people will be entertained by any upcoming uh, sessions we might stream.
0: Hopefully, yeah, Uh, only time will tell. Once you get back to Shanghai, maybe we'll be okay, right?
1: (laughs) For sure. Thanks for watching, everyone.
0: Yeah, definitely. Thanks a lot. And uh, yeah, we'll see you in a couple days at least.